preached here before. Um, he's a very gifted communicator, and uh, we love listening to Chris, but we invited him into this um, just so Chris can continue to sharpen his skills and gifts and also help us sharpen ours as we debrief and do feedback. Um, so we're excited to have Chris preach this morning, and uh, we love having Chris and Don part of this family. And uh, I just want to pray for Chris, and he's going to share a message with you. We, we just ask each person who shares each time to just spend time in the Bible reading plan during that week. Find one passage that really is grabbing your attention, and then grab our attention by sharing about it. So uh, I'm going to pray for Chris. Lord, thanks for my buddy Chris. Uh, thank you for his friendship. Uh, thank you for all the, the joy and fun and laughter that we have together. And, and Lord, I learn a lot from this guy. And uh, I, I know that we all do. And um, his life speaks louder than his words. And I pray this morning um, that your anointing of your Holy Spirit would be heavy upon him. And that the words that, that you've been kind of placing in his mind and heart this week would come through in a way that both invites us and challenges us to, to keep living deeper kingdom lives. So Lord, in Jesus' name, we pray you're, you're just anointing on Chris. And uh, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks, Chris. Can you guys help me welcome Chris? I want you to take a peek into the window of the Klein family house. I grew up with two older brothers and two older sisters. The Klein family is loud. We typically don't talk to each other because yelling over each other is more effective. Yes, when we get the whole family together today, it is louder than loud. We are still yelling over each other because we think that is the most effective way to get somebody's attention. Mom and Dad established the rule of law, yet we had a choice. Effective way to get somebody's attention. Mom and Dad established the rule of law, yet we had a choice. We could choose. Effective way to get somebody's attention. It was never a good sign when you heard your full name being called. You knew you were in trouble. I remember one night my parents had gone out to dinner, and they left the boys in charge of me. The no playing sports in the house was always repeated. However, little did they know every time they did go out, and left my two older brothers to take care of me, a sporting event would break out in the living room. Our excuse was because I couldn't play outside or anywhere else, I couldn't experience playing a sport inside the house. We would move all of the furniture out of the living room, except the piano, so that we could play hockey or soccer. I know things were broken before, but Scott was the master at super gluing. Jeff and I were always amazed at how he could glue things together. However, what transpired on this night wouldn't be able to be glued back together. The sport of that night was hockey, and as always I was the goalie. Jeff was playing defense against Scott and one of my friends that decided to come over. Like all Klein games, it was getting out of hand. Jeff and Scott were using real hockey sticks, and a couple of times their sticks would hit the ceiling. At the end of the night, as we were putting everything back, we noticed the chips in the ceiling. 
There were about 12 small chips in the ceiling from their hockey sticks. Jeff and Scott knew they were dead. Dad would kill them. So, we quickly jumped in bed and hoped nobody would notice in the morning. I remember waking up the next morning and hearing Mom point out the chips in the ceiling to my dad. They must be nail pops. However, they were also asking us if we noticed them, or heard anything funny the night before. Of course, I had a choice to make. I could have told my parents what happened, but then I would have been killed by my brothers. I knew they weren't going to say anything because their lives would have ended right there. So, my parents decided to fix the ceiling, and they never knew what really happened until all of us were out of the house. We are picking up the Israelite story as they are about to enter the promised land that God has promised to give them. Before we take a real close look at Deuteronomy 30, we need a little memory refresher of how the Israelites got here today. God creates a covenant with Abraham. God tells him everything that is going to happen to them. The reality of everything God said has come true. They have been enslaved by the Egyptians because they were growing too large in numbers. God has now freed them from Egypt. They have seen and experienced all of the miraculous signs God used to free them. God even went to the extent of parting the Red Sea for them to get them away from the Egyptians. They already had to choose a narrow path to survive, so you would have thought being obedient to God wouldn't have been that difficult. However, as they are waiting for Moses to come back from talking to God the first time, chaos has broken loose down in camp. They have built a golden calf to worship. They have decided God doesn't really care for them. Because of this disobedience, God decides they aren't going to enter the land he has promised them right away. Instead, they are going to have to wander the wilderness and desert for 40 years. Our scripture comes when Moses is addressing them for the last time. In the verses prior to the ones we are going to focus on, he tells them these commandments that he is going to give to them are not difficult to achieve. You don't have to go up to the heavens or over the sea to achieve them. And right after doing that he says this. Deuteronomy 30 15 to 20 reads, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees and laws, then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you were drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, 
listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. There is a lot of things we can unpack from this passage of scripture. The first thing I want to focus on is that we have a choice. We have a choice about which direction we can take. God has a theme throughout the Bible and it consists of free choice. It starts at the very beginning of creation. The first choice wasn't the choice of Eve eating the forbidden fruit. The idea of choice and free will started with God. Choice is something that God had, right from the start. Like, God chose to keep the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the center of the garden. He could have kept it in some corner so Adam and Eve could have hardly noticed it. But God placed it right there, in the center, so there was no way of missing it. God has given us a precious gift. He has given us the right to make choices. This is extremely important to all of us. We are not walking robots. We are children of the living God who has choices about how to live our life. Bear in mind, this gift is extremely important to us. Do you know how many choices you make every day on an average? Right from choosing when to get up, whether to snooze the alarm, how long to brush your teeth, to the color of the dress you wear till you go back to bed, you consciously or unconsciously make several choices. Statistics say, human beings make roughly 5,000 choices every day. In our scripture today, God is giving the Israelites another chance to choose life. But he is clear about what kind of choice this is. This is not a where are we going for dinner choice. This is a choice that will affect their eternity. It's that simple. Are they going to obey the laws and decrees God has set before them and live a life of obedience? If they choose to obey, God is going to bless them and prosper them. This was the same choice Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden. God had given them all that they needed to have in the Garden, and they had every opportunity to choose life there. They didn't. They disobeyed God. They ate from the tree God specifically said not to eat from, and the curse of sin tainted God's perfect creation. He didn't have to. He didn't have to set life up that way. He could have just as easily made us creatures that did what he wanted 100% of the time. If there is no wrong option, there is no wrong choice. Eve wouldn't have eaten from the tree if it hadn't even been there. Cain wouldn't have murdered his brother if he couldn't have. Instead, God gives us a choice. Okay, you're asking, where are you in this story? God has made the exact same promises to us about our relationship with him. Do what he says, follow his decrees, and live. And just like Israel, we have this choice to make, life or death, spiritual prosperity, or destruction, 
blessing or curse. And God tells us, choose life, so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. I know this sounds like basic stuff, but for some reason, and God knows it, we have to be reminded of it now and then. We have a choice. God places it in front of every one of us. The second observation of this passage is God requires his children to be obedient to receive the blessings he promises. Again, this sticks out like a simple thing to me, but when we look at the Israelites' journey we see that it isn't that simple. Actually, it took the grace of God to keep giving them chances to get it right. Ultimately, they could never get it right, and God had to send his son to die to get it right. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, but even Jesus warns us about being obedient. In Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14 Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Jesus is the second chance God has given us to choose life, but have we as Christians forgotten the expectations that God has on us to be obedient? Some of us are sitting here knowing Jesus, but if you look into their everyday life and how that individual lives, you wouldn't know that person was a follower of Jesus. Some of our life circumstances may have us wondering where God is at. Yes, we wake up every day in a world that is not perfect because of one bad choice. We may face things that makes us think life is unfair. Ultimately, we have a choice. Are we going to stay obedient to God? Have we ever thought about the choices we have made? Have they affected what we are experiencing in life? Don't understand me wrong. Not everything we are going through are because of the choices we've made. That being said, all of us here have made stupid choices. Like Forrest Gump says, stupid is what stupid does. He is right. We make stupid choices. And then we want God to bail us out of the choices we have made. I received this email after a newspaper article was written about me speaking at a Christian convention. Dear Chris, throughout my grade school years I had to lead what I believed to be the life of a model Christian. I went to church every Sunday, attained the rank of Eagle Scout in the Boy Scouts of America, and was an active volunteer in my community. I had even won the St. Timothy's Award for Youth Achievement, believing all the time that God would be behind me when I needed him most. Between my freshman and sophomore years in high school, my twin brother Michael contracted non-Hodgkin's B-cell lymphoma. Yes, that's right, I was a twin. Mickey which was his nickname, and I were inseparable, 
being best friends from the beginning. We had full disclosure with each other and could keep each other in check when either of us needed it. I questioned God's reasoning when Mickey got sick, but after much praying I felt I knew God would take care of him and he would get better. There wasn't a cell in my body which didn't believe my brother wouldn't die. The pain Mickey felt from the chemotherapy, constant biopsies, and hospital visits was tremendous. It was even worse having to watch it happen to him and not being able to do anything about it. Sometimes Mickey would bring up the possibility of his death, and each time I would refuse to talk to him about it, because I knew God would heal him. But after two years of ferociously battling the cancer, Michael passed away. I became so emotionally confused and desperate that I tried reaching out to a friend of mine, looking for the relationship I had lost in my brother. I convinced myself I was in love with her while she, although still my friend, was not ready or willing to be the type of person for me. I felt alone and abandoned, that God had screwed me over. So I was going to screw him over too. I wished at the time I had had someone to open up to, to share all the confusion and hurt I was feeling. My parents were a wreck, and I felt like the last thing they needed on their shoulders was the weight of a confused and angry son. After I graduated from high school, I went to Michigan State University. I quickly sought out brotherhood, someone I could have a bond with. I joined a fraternity. For two years I stopped attending church and became disgusted with God. I was determined to live only for myself. I began abusing alcohol, which led to abusing drugs, which led to dealing drugs, which led to lying and stealing. I was failing almost all of my classes, but I found a way to tamper with my report card, altering my grades so my parents wouldn't catch on right away. I had become everything I said I would never be. During the summer, my reckless path caught up with me. My parents discovered my deceptions. They were so hurt, thinking that they had somehow raised their son wrong, and I felt just as ashamed. I was certain that I was going to commit suicide. The next morning I woke up thinking I was going to do it that night. I was thinking about what I would write to say my goodbyes. It was a Sunday. I am going to leave you hanging there for now because I believe this illustrates the path of destruction God lays out for us. Yes, his twin brother died and that was tragic. However, the choices he made after that has him on the brink of his own destruction. God requires obedience from us. He requires us to love our Lord our God with all of our hearts, souls, and minds. We should wear this on our foreheads, and this should be etched onto our doors. In every circumstance that we face, we should seek God. Jesus puts it this way in Mark 8, verses 34 through 38. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, 
Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes into his Father's glory with the holy angels. Just like the Israelites, the journey of life isn't easy. Some of it is out of our control, but a lot of it is in our control. Some of the suffering was out of the Israelites' control. Yet, most of their suffering was the consequence of the choices they made to live. Where are you right now in the journey of life? Do your circumstances have you wondering where God is? What choices have you made? Have you really been obedient to God? Do you need to get right with God? The journey of my life has been a journey of learning choosing life isn't going to lead us to a life of peaches and roses. Actually, when we choose to follow and be obedient to God, I am going to say sometimes life is going to be more difficult because you are going to have to carry your cross every day. The umbilical cord was coming out before me. So the doctors had to perform an emergency C-section to save my life. I was without oxygen for 45 minutes, and I was given CPR for another 40 minutes. The lack of oxygen to the brain caused an injury to the motor portion of it. I have a disability called cerebral palsy. I am classified as an athletoid, which means my muscles never stop moving. My disability isn't from any choices I have made, or my parents have made. However, now I have to choose the path I am going to take. I can choose to be obedient to God, or I can choose to turn my back on God. For 46 years of my life, I have had a choice to make every single morning. Yes, some mornings it is an easy choice to get up and go live life. However, there are other mornings where I want to go back to bed, and just feel sorry for myself. I don't want to pick up my cross and carry it. Yet, in the end, I always end up getting up. It would have been very easy to give up on God. Actually, I tried to feel sorry for myself. I tried to blame everything on God. I told myself God gave me a raw deal, and I did try to turn my back away from God. However, I couldn't do that because I have unbelievable parents. They are unbelievable because they have lived a life of obedience to God. They have shown their children what it is like to live a life of obedience. My parents sacrificed their needs, so that the needs of their children were met. I know for a fact my father turned down several job promotions because it would have meant we would have had to move. I know my other siblings didn't want to leave their friends in school, 
That was important to my parents. However, they knew moving would probably ruin any progress for me. They would have had to start me over at school, at therapy, and they didn't think being more successful and financially secure was worth that sacrifice. If that's not a picture of obedience, I don't know what is. My mom continues to amaze me as she continues to sacrifice her own needs to take care of my dad, who is struggling with dementia. After taking care of their son with a disability for many years, she has taken up another cross and has carried it. Yes, she gets frustrated. She feels isolated at times. However, she remains obedient to God. She has been a great picture for me. Every day I have to pull myself out of bed and have other people take care of me. It still frustrates me sometimes. I would love to be the one who is able to help care for somebody, and sometimes I wonder why I can't do the things that I want to do. However, I have put my faith in Jesus, and because of that he continues to open doors for me. I may not be able to physically take care of somebody. I can be a good sounding board for somebody. I can be an encouragement to somebody. I can be all kinds of different things to different people, but I have to choose life. I have to choose obedience. I know by choosing to be obedient, the future blessings will be so much greater than my sufferings of today. I hold on to God's promises every day. Look at Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 and 20. Now choose life, so that your children may live, and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life. Do we need anything more than that? The reality is once we choose life, there is another call we have to be obedient to. If we truly love God with all of our hearts, souls, and minds, then we are called to love others. It's one thing to choose to love God. It's a whole lot more difficult to choose to love others, which means you have to help them carry their burdens. Paul writes this in Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you, who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each author's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We are called to carry our brothers and sisters' burdens. Paul doesn't say judge them. He doesn't say argue with them. Many Christians know how to do these two things well. The one aspect Christians don't do well is just living by the Spirit, which is all we need to do. Madeleine Laangle writes this. We draw people to Christ not by loudly discrediting what they believe, by telling them how wrong they are and how right we are, 
but by showing them a light that is so lovely that they want with all of their hearts to know the source of it. It is in our job to change the person's heart. God is going to do that if we are walking beside them and showing them what an obedient life to God looks like. We just have to be obedient to walking beside them. I have the privilege to work for one of the most brilliant individuals I have met. He is a linguist, and he has developed MinSpeak, which stands for Minimal Effort Speech. It is the vocabulary on the communication device I am using now, and it is probably the most used vocabulary by individuals that use communication devices. This individual is not a believer and refuses to discuss Jesus with anybody. He is searching for answers. He is scared to die. The crazy part about it is he loves discussing Jesus with me. He loves asking me questions and then having a discussion about my answer. I have made it clear that I believe there is only one way to heaven, but I haven't discredited him or yelled at him. I have listened to him. I have walked with him. By doing so, I am hoping he wants to know more about the light that he is seeing in me. I try my best to live by the spirit that is within me every day. I am hoping I'm shining the light that is inside of me out, so that people wonder what is the light. They want to know more about the light. This brings me back to the email. Remember, this individual was ready to kill himself for all of the wrong choices he has made. The email continues like this. After seeing how you struggle with the day-to-day -day things I take for granted often, and what seems to be your unbreakable faith, I decided to give God one more chance. That night my mother and I attended the evening service at a local church. We sat down in the pews and the service began. But I wasn't concentrating on the service much, I was praying, asking God, are you happy it's going to end like this? Where is your love now? Show me. Show me you love me, God. Give me strength. I was facing west, staring at the stained glass apostle windows, when the sun came firing out from behind the brick. It hit my eyes first and it was almost blinding. It then filtered down through my body, and I heard or felt what I believed to be God for the first time in a long while. I was so overwhelmed with pure joy I went to the bathroom and broke down into tears. God loves me. I continually repeated to myself, God loves me. If not for your story, Chris, your strength, for your inspiration, I never would have made that service, and I would be dead by now. Since then I have enrolled in an art school and have started donating much of my time to Arbor Hospice. I love art, and I am currently trying to find a way to bring the beauty of it and God to the sick children of the University of Michigan's Mott Children's Hospital, which is where my brother had been treated. I am still struggling to come to grips with the loss of my brother, and I am also going through some counseling, but now every moment in the day that I feel lost, 
I silently pray, God give me strength. Remember Chris's strength. Give me that strength. Each day seems brighter as I feel glad to be alive when I wake up in the morning. So I just want to say thank you. In the article you said, please God, help me to reach one of them. Just one. Somebody in trouble. Well you did in me, Krish. You never know who is going to cross your path. That is why it's so important to live a life of obedience. God put my story in front of somebody knowing he was in desperate need for him. All I was doing is living obedience out, and somebody decided to write a story. I would like to invite the band forward. As I close this message, I ask everybody are you living an obedient life to God? Do you need to get right with God? Do you need to confess something to Jesus? This is a safe place. Now is the time to do it. For those of you who are living an obedient life, is there someone in your life you have to help carry their burdens? Are you being obedient walking with them? Let us pray. O oh, holy and merciful Father, thank you for giving us a chance to choose. Help us to choose life. Help us to choose obedience. Help us to love you with everything we have, and then help us to show people your love, so that they want to know you more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.